come on, watch the video and subscribe. You will not regret it. It's some good material. All right, guys, we are continuing our teaching in the book of Genesis. Last time we stopped, we were in chapter nine and we basically dealt with the reestablishment of the covenant with Noah and namely his three sons and how they would be used to populate the earth and that all families of the earth would be an extension of Noah and his three sons. And God made that covenant with them as well as all creation that he would not destroy the world in its entirety by water anymore. And also we dealt with that issue concerning the curse of Canaan, who was the son of Ham. And that basically was a prophetic utterance concerning the descendants of namely Canaan. Canaan is the son of Ham. His, I'm sorry, his descendants, guys, who would be like their father, Ham. Okay, now let's move into chapter 10 as we talk about the nations of the earth, how they will basically be populated from the three sons, families of Noah. And another thing too, guys, because this section deals so much with the names. I'm not going to try to deal with the different families and nations that came forth from these particular names. Nothing more than just simply to state them as the scripture said. Every now and then I might make a particular comment. But the main part, the main thing that you need to understand is this. What the scriptures is trying to do. It is trying to take Noah's sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. And what it is doing is it is dealing with the sons or the descendants of those particular sons. Sometimes you hear talk, it'll call it families. Sometimes it'll deal with it as nations. So whether it talks about it as sons, families or nations, the idea is to, to deal with those descendants and begin to Consider them as groups of people who will become the nations of the world. And so when you get through with all of these names, for the most part, and sometimes the counting is a little bit different, but usually for the most part, we end up basically with 17 names from which we get the 17 nations of the world. Now, another thing that's important is this. We'll note, we'll note this later on by the words of Moses. We'll note this by the words of Moses in the book of Deuteronomy, that God, when he established the borders or the nations of the Gentiles, that is non-Jewish people, when God established the nations, the borders of the Gentiles, he did that with reference to, as it has to do with how many Jews will be related to that nation in some way. And we're not going to get into all of that, but that's basically to say the nations that we see situated in the world are situated with respect to the number of Jewish people that will be related to that nation. Okay. But anyway, enough of that. So let's get into the fourth toldoth. And we remember 
The Todoth is basically an account. That's when it talks about these are the generations. That word generations again is Todoth. We told you about that in the introduction to the book of Genesis. All right. And so this is what is, or should I say the Todoth, this is what happens to the sons of Noah. That is, these are the families or the nations that will come from the sons of Noah. All right. So now let's begin. Now, these are the records of the generations of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. These are the sons of Noah and sons were born to them after the flood. Now, the first thing that we do see is this. When we, the whole issue, whole issue of that flood, when these men and their wives were on the boat, there were no children born to them at that time. Noah was the only one with children, and it was these three sons. And the sons' names are given in orders of their birth, with Shem being the elder son, Ham the middle son, and Japheth is the youngest of all. Two, sons of Japheth were Gomer and Magog, Madiah and Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Tiras. The sons of Gomer. Now, I'm going to continue in this, guys, because it's not a lot of information really we need to bring out. And maybe along the way, I'll point out certain points concerning those issues. But like I said, we don't want to get into so much of the nationalities, the nations that descended from these people. And some of these nations, we really don't know. Some are in doubt whether or not that is the actual nations associated with these particular names. But nevertheless, these are, notice what I said, these are the names that were used to establish the 70 nations of the world. All right. But let's go back again. We're in verse number two. Where it talks about Japheth, Gomar, Magog, Madiah, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Tiras. Now we'll see that uh, in these from the family of Japheth and these nations, I just make a comment started. We see a lot of the European people here and even some of the people of modern day Russia. And you'll see that with the uh, names, name Gomar and Magog. You'll also see that in the book of Ezekiel. But anyway, we're continuing. The sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz, Riphath, and Togomar. Sons of Javan were Elisha, and Tarshish, Kittim, and Dodanim. From these, the coastlands of the nations were separated into their lands. Everyone according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. Now, as we dealt with the sons of Japheth, and did you guys notice that Japheth was actually the younger son? So basically what the composer of Genesis is doing at this particular time, he's starting with the younger son first. That is Japheth. Once he dispenses with that line, he then moves to the line of Ham, which is the middle son. Once he makes, he dispenses with that line and he tells us a little more information uh, interesting points about the line and the seed of Ham. He moves on to the seed line. And remember, everything in Genesis, as we've said over and over again, has to do with that Genesis 3 and 15. That seed that should come of the woman. That's where the concentration is on. Because salvation will be brought about by that seed. But nevertheless, so once he dispenses with 
the line of Ham. He moves to the seed line Shem, and then he basically ends this particular section. Okay, but that's interesting how he does. Do he does he turns and he starts at the bottom and then moves toward the seed line. But anyway. Again, let's notice something in verse number five when it says from these coastlands of the nations uh, were separated into their lands, everyone according to his language. Notice they talk about they were separated. They were separated. So what you need to see also is this. Even though we're in Genesis chapter 10, the, the way the writer is making notation of the events, not so much as the events, but the families, the nations that descend from the sons of, of um, Noah, he's making notation in it with not in chronological order. That's what I'm trying to get you guys to see. In other words, when he, when he talks about this separation, the separation actually does not take place until the next chapter, Genesis chapter 11. And that's when we talk about that issue that takes place at the Tower of Babel, with God confusing the tongues of these people. Notice what I said. God confuses the tongues of these people. And therefore, everyone who can relate to this uh, one another, who speak the same language, they gather together and they separated and divided themselves into the different lands and nations. And that's what we see actually happening in chapter 10. Okay, so it's not written precisely in chronological order in chapter 10, as it gives us an overview of the nations that come forth from these particular sons is actually in chapter 11, that it tells us the event that led to the dispersion of the peoples. That's when they became peoples plural to become the nations. All right. And so that's what's going on. And so verse number five simply is, recapping in a sense that event that led to everyone separating into their separate land. Notice what it said, everyone according to his language. So you see, notice, so there's an anticipation that there will be a division of languages, all right, which will create families and nations. All right. Now, with that understanding, let's move to the next section of dealing with the family of Ham. Sons of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. Now, we remember that it was Canaan who was the star, so to speak, of Noah's curse. When he said, cursed be Canaan, who is the fourth son. He's the baby boy, fourth son of Ham. But he also had what? Cush. Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. And basically, Cush uh, is the father who is pretty much called the Ethiopian African people, Mizraim, uh, Egyptian people, and things of that nature. But anyway, without going into all of that, those particular families that we said we wouldn't do, we see that Ham had four sons. The sons of Cush, he begins with the eldest son here, were Sheba, Havala, Sabta, and Rama, Sabtika. And the sons of Rama were Sheba and Dedan. Now, we're not going to worry about that. Those were, those were simply the sons of Cush. And also, too, guys, did you notice, and I didn't make mention of it, but when we talked about the sons of Japheth, notice how great they were in number. That goes to fulfill the, 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 the prophetic utterance of Noah when he said, 
that Japheth would be blessed in his multiplicity as well as dwell in the tents of Shem. But anyway, nevertheless, we're not going to go back to that. Let's just keep moving forward. So we have dealt with the sons of Ham, now the sons of Cush, and we dealt with those sons. I believe there are like seven sons, seven or eight sons here. And now we get to Cush becoming the father of a particular one. Verse number eight. Now, Cush became the father of Nimrod. He became a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. Now, let's stop here and talk a little bit about it. We see now a particular son. We have been naming sons from the particular fathers. Okay. But we have never dealt with one. Uh, uh, notice as we begin to talk somewhat historical about this particular son of Cush, namely Nimrod, namely Nimrod. And his name seems to mean to rebel, to rebel. And the idea here simply seems to suggest to rebel against God. And we'll see that idea concerning Nimrod as we talk about his kingdom. And that's later on in the verses that's following down below. We're going to get to that part. Nimrod is going to develop a great kingdom. We're going to see Nimrod try to develop the first worldwide kingdom. And Nimrod would try to subjugate all of humanity under his authority. That's why Nimrod is often the picture of the first Antichrist. Notice what I said earlier concerning his name, Nimrod, to rebel, that is, to rebel against God. What else does he do? He tries to take the kingdoms all to himself, something that the Antichrist will try to do. He will be a one world ruler. And we will also see a one world false religion. That's the next chapter being developed under Nimrod as he rebels against God. But anyway, nevertheless, that's the whole issue that we're looking at as Nimrod. So when it says that he was a mighty hunter, not only is that referencing that he was a hunter of animal, but also he became a hunter of men. And that deals with what I just said, the subjugation of mankind under his sole rule and authority. And because he became such a great man and a re revered figure, there was a, a word that was associated with Nimrod. So when people said like, like this, so they would begin to say like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. So when people wanted to say something great, they would make a comparison and use that statement. In other words, that statement was a coined phrase because of the greatness of Nimrod. All right. But anyway, so let's continue concerning Nimrod's kingdom, the beginning of his kingdom. Notice this is the only time that we see in all of these descendants of the sons of Noah. This is the only time that we see anyone in particular where one of them was said to have a kingdom, a kingdom. And notice also, as we're dealing with this issue, the expansion, or should I say the expansiveness of the kingdom of Nimrod. In other words, it just simply goes to relate to the point where I was trying to say how Nimrod tried to create the first world empire. All right. 
But anyway, and it all starts in Babylon. And notice you, you can't you can't miss that how there is also a relationship to Babylon all throughout scripture, how Babylon is considered to be the greatest of all kingdoms, how Babylon was actually the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar, the head of gold, the greatest one of all. But nevertheless, let's go on. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Babel is the ancient name for Babylon. Babel and Erech and Akkad and Kalna in the land of Shinar. The land of Shinar is often related to Babel. And you'll see this same thing referred to in the book of Ezekiel and in the book of Daniel, talking about when they were in the land of Shinar. From that land, so, but the whole point is notice the expansion of his kingdom. We don't want to get into so much of the detail. Babel, then he, he goes to Eric and Akkad and Kana. Kingdom is just growing and growing and growing. Domination. From that land, so notice, and from that land, he went forth into Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ur, and Kala, and Rezin. You see the expansion that I'm talking about? Rezin between Nineveh and Kala. That is the great city. And so we see how Nimrod expanded in his time, if you'll allow me to say it this way, his worst, his, his world empire, or should we probably say it correctly, the first world empire. All right, let's go on. Mizraim, verse number 13 is where I am. And Mizraim basically is a common name for the Egyptians. Mizraim became the father of Ludim and Anamim and Lehabim and Naphtuhim and Patrusim and Kasluhim, from which came the Philistines and Kaftorim. Canaan became the father of Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth. Okay, I tell you what, let me stop. Let me stop. I almost went too far. So now, as we kind of wrap it up a little bit, we're beginning to. Now we're concentrating on that fourth son. That's what we're getting ready to do now. That fourth son of Ham, namely Canaan. And remember, let me draw your attention back again so you can remember the prophetic utterance, curse of Noah, cursed be Canaan, cursed be Canaan. And what did he say? Let him be a servant of servants to his brothers, a servant to Shem, a servant to Japheth. Okay. The curse of Canaan. And now we're beginning to deal with the descendants that should come forth from Canaan who will end up fulfilling, fulfilling the curse of of Noah growing into great nations who will be subjugated later on by the Shemites and by the descendants of Japheth. All right, but let's go on. 15. Now, Canaan became the father of Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth, and the Jebusites. Some people think that the Heth became some of the descendants of Asians and Indians, and probably maybe some of the Chinese. I'm not certain about that part. But anyway, and the Jebusite, but here's the thing that I want to concentrate on. Canaan, father of 16, the Jebusite and the Amorite and the Girgashite and the Hivite and the Archite and the Sinite and the Arvidite and the Zermite and the Hamathite. And afterward, the families of Canaanite were spread abroad. But let me finish this part. 
The territory of the Canaanite extended from Sidon as you go toward Gerar and as far as Gaza. Now notice this last part in this verse. As you go toward what? Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zobaim as far as Lasha. Now here's the thing we want to see again. When we're dealing with Canaan, notice his particular descendants. These are the people who were in the land of Canaan during the time which, when Israel, through the hand of Moses, was brought back into the land of Canaan. These were the nations that were conquered and later on subjugated by the Israelites. These were the descendants of Canaan that you see here. But not only that, even before the Israelites went into captivity, notice in verse number 19, as it talks about Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zobaim. These are also cities that are mentioned in Genesis chapter 18. Notice once again, they were known for their sexual immorality. We remember the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And with that destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, what is the whole point? They are the descendants of Canaan, cursed be Canaan. What happened? They were destroyed by God. See this up. And notice we also see a mention of these same cities with relation to Lot when Lot tried to escape for his life. So here's the point. Here indeed we can see, cursed be Canaan, the fulfillment of the prophecy of Noah and how the descendants of Canaan actually filled the promised land and they themselves became very wicked and immoral people. And that's why God said once again, Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20, he warns the Israelites do not be like these people, but because of their file, their vile conduct, the land, and he uses this in, a, in, in this way, has regurgitated them, has Cast them out. And if you do the same thing, I will cast you out just the same. And what sins did he enumerate? Almost every one of them were vile sexual sins. Okay. In other words, again, cursed be Canaan. What happened? Ham saw the nakedness of his father. And now we have that cursed prophecy dealing with sexual immorality that descends from his people. Okay. All right, let's go on. And now that we have dispensed with the seed of Ham, so we've dispensed with Japheth. Now we dispense with the children of Ham. Now we move to that promise, the seed line. Remember, the seed line is Shem. Okay, and here we go. Uh, we're in verse number 21. Also to Shem, the father of all the children of Eber. Eber is the ancient name for the children of Hebrew. This is the father of the Hebrew people. Okay, Eber. Father of all the children of Eber and the older brother of Japheth, children were born. Sons of Shem were Elam, Asher, Apokshad, and Apokshad would be the seed line. He's the next in the seed line. And Lud and Aram. The sons of Aram were Uz, and we remember Uz, or sometimes we say Uz, uh, with, with reflection to the book of Job. Remember the Bible said there was a man in the land of Uz. And so we believe that this, this people 
in that particular area were descendants of this us that we see here. And this is why we can also see too, as a relationship with Shem, we can also see the people, the men in the land of us having an idea, a thought of God, because they descend from the family of Shem. And so we can see a relationship uh, with God easily to be established and the knowledge of God. That's more so what I'm trying to say, that knowledge of God that is carried on through the Shemit, Shemite line. But nevertheless, 23, we're going back. Sons of Aram were Uz, Hul, Githa, and Mosh. Apokshad, remember seed line, became the father of Shelah. Shelah became, and Shelah, seed line, became the father of Eber. And two sons were seed line. And two sons were born to Eber. The name of one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided. And his brother's name was Joktan. And Peleg would become the seed line. So we'll have Apokshad. Then we'll have Shelah. Then we'll have Eber. And then we'll have Peleg. These men will become the seed line. And then it says in verse 25 concerning Peleg, the name literally means to divide means divided or division. And the reason why he was given that name is said because the earth was divided in those days. Now, some want to see an intercontinental, a geographic. That means the world literally split, you know, the continental shift of the earth happened in his days. And then some say that the division actually is speaking of the Genesis chapter 11, when we see the dividing of the men, the one group of all mankind, into the nations of the world. I don't really, really know. I can't really absolutely be certain, but I kind of move towards that issue that what, what they mean here by the world being divided is the separation into nations and not so much as the intercontinental geographic divisions of the crust of the earth where the continents shift. I don't think that's what he means. I think he's referring to Genesis chapter 11. Okay, 26, Joktan became the father of Almadad and Shelef and Harzamavith and Jira and Hadaram and Uzul and Dikla and Obal and Abamail and Sheba and Ophir and Havala and Jobab. All these were the sons of Joktan. And so basically, let's finish it. Let's finish it and we'll just make a final point. Now their settlement extended from Misha as you go towards Shifa, the hill country of East, and just simply just given a place where they look, they actually moved, located to. These, final statement concerning the sons of Shem now, are the sons of Shem according to their families, according to their, notice again, to their families, there's an anticipation for verse chapter 11 again. According to their languages, remember, all everybody's of one language, until the Tower of Babel. So again, chapter 10, even though we're speaking of the nations as they divide, actually chronologically will follow chapter 11, the next chapter. According to their languages, by their lands, according to their nations, and the final point, these are the families of the sons of Noah, according to their genealogies, by their nations, and out of these, the nations were separated on the earth after the flood. So the final point is a very simple point. 
From these sons, we have all of these men, all of these families who became the nations of the earth, roughly, and I would say 70 nations of the world. And these 70 nations populated the whole world after the flood. Now join me guys the next time as we move into Genesis chapter 11 and we talk about the issue concerning Tower of Babel. How quickly do men turn away from God? All right, catch you then. Have you subscribed yet? What are you waiting for? Subscribe now.